0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, I am
1: ready to jump into the message. And we're putting an emphasis today on the family. Normally, if we were just at a Valentine's banquet speaking just to couples, we could kind of hone in on, on maybe just marriage. But being that we're focusing on Uh, a, A larger constituency here today of different families and different dynamics. We want to minister to everybody in the audience today. I want to make note of one exciting thing, and that is the year of discipleship and what we've been doing for the past three months with about 40 of our men in the church I got to meet with my guys two times this week, and this is kind of a trial and error run. We've been, it's a pre-launch to what's going to become a greater discipleship in our church family throughout the rest of 2021. So we're almost through with this curriculum that the church has written. It's fantastic. But you know what, I this week when I met with our guys and we prayed, I noticed something that's consistent throughout each and every lesson. There's a lesson on sin, scripture, service, work and rest, relationships, stress, prayer, sex, money, and depression. And at the end of every one of those discipleship lessons, there's a prayer that we pray together. And every prayer has the same introduction. It says, Lord, only you can change my heart. Lord, only you can change my heart. And how we need to understand that as we read the text before us this morning, that it is only God... That can truly change us it's only God that can build our families so with that said I want you to turn in your Bibles to a phenomenal passage of Scripture that accesses the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ for our families for our relationships and for our homes turn to Psalm 127 would you do that and you're welcome to look at the entire chapter with me it's a short chapter in Scripture But we're, we're gonna focus in on the first two verses, but read the entire chapter in just a moment. I wanna make no apologies for the fact that the message is a simple message. But you know what's interesting about simple messages is they oftentimes have the most powerful impact. It's not so much the deep, complicated messages that oftentimes hit us right immediately where we need it. It's the simple truth. It's the simple thoughts. And so this morning I want to give you a very simple message that we desperately need and I'm going to take it all from the text, Psalm 127. So let's join in reading this text this morning as we discuss building a home God's way. Now remember, as our worship pastor already mentioned, this isn't just for married couples. When we talk about a home and family, we could be talking about a lot of different dynamics. Uh, there could be a home in the making right now with a fiancé here today and a, uh, with, with, with his or her fiancé. There could be a, you know, a, a single person that's dating someone or maybe just right now ministering as a single person to your family, within your family, to a brother, to a sister, to someone who's lost in your family. You're trying to be a light of the gospel inside the context of your family. We're talking about friends, small groups, church family. All of it fits the context. So let's talk about building a home God's way. Unless, verse 1, the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Again, let's go back to that prayer. Lord, only you can change my heart. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's worthless. It's in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in Vain! It is, it is in vain that you rise up early, that you go, to late, uh, go late to rest, that you eat the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man. Who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. What a passage. I want you to notice again, verse 1. Look at it again on the screen. Here it is. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, or those who build it, labor in vain. So let's begin with this thought this morning. Number one, only the Lord can build a family. Only the Lord. Lord, only you can change my heart. Only the Lord can build a family. Now this reference here where it says only the... Unless the Lord builds the house. It's not speaking of a literal house with a foundation and walls and lights and electricity and plumbing. I mean, it's a nice thought, and and maybe Jesus did build a house sometime in his time on earth. I don't know that God ever actually built a physical house, but I do know he's talking about families. Not so much the building of a literal house, but the building of a home, the building of a family. A construction owner that I knew of had a theme verse for his business, and it was Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 3, and it says, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding, it is established. Not a house, again, a construction type of a house, but this is speaking of a home, a family, how to build a family. I love Proverbs chapter 14 and verse one, where scripture says that the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. We could go on and on, especially in the book of Proverbs, but church, Here is the point as I introduce the message. Only the Lord, only the Lord can build a family. It is a very painful process to build a family without God. It is painful. Maybe you've experienced it. I've watched it happen throughout the years. Someone who tries to build their family without God, it can be a very painful process. And so we begin with this incredible thought, with this foundational thought, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We cannot seek greatness in our families without God. You can't do it. In fact, don't seek greatness in any area of life without God, but especially when it comes to the building of your family. But you know what the good news is? And I can say this with, with, with great confidence. And I'm saying this because I'm coming in contact with families and people and counseling and conversations. That God is building His families here at Gospel Light. God is healing marriages at our church. And God is bringing couples together in His design. God is doing phenomenal things in families. He is building and building and building families. And so with that said, let's remember that only God, only God could build a family. Number two, let's remember this in the very same verse. Here it is. Trying to build a family without the Lord is useless. It's vain. It just doesn't work. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. That word vanity, that word vain means no matter how much effort you put forth, it's useless. You can try and work and labor and give it all you've got and make more money and build, you know, build bigger houses and buy better cars and give your kids everything they will. You can try so hard, but it's worthless unless the Lord builds it. All of the effort wasted unless you're plugged into the only source that can build your family. Now I know if you're like me, you have dreams for your family. I do. Man, I've been a a dad now for thirty years, my oldest son is thirty and now I'm a a, a a papa, a granddad and I've been, my oldest grandson is eight and so man I have, I'm starting to experience the joy of of, of being a patriarch now in, in, in our family and passing down a godly heritage and I have dreams for my kids, I still do I, I love my children and, and there's things that I I'm dreaming for them and, and my grandchildren. And man, there's nothing wrong with that. Even single adults here today who maybe you're, you're, you're praying that God would, would give you that wife or give you that husband in, in his perfect timing. And you've got to dream for that. And that's, that's wonderful. But you know what breaks my heart? And i I guess after 28 years of being in the same church, I can say this as much as I, I hate to say it. But I've watched so many families throughout 28 years that have tried to build their families without placing God in the center. And so I want to give you real quickly here some ways that we build our families without God. And I want you to try to avoid these ways. Number one, I've seen families try to build their families without God by using human effort. By trying and trying and trying to work hard and make your dreams come true for your family. Push, 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 push. Work 65 hours a week. Take your phone home with you and keep it right by your bed so that you can answer every text even if it's in the middle of the night. I mean, you are a Capacian. You're going to do this and you're not going to make us, you're going to make us proud, right? You're going to do that, right? This is how it's going to be. And we try to control the narrative and... We work hard and we do everything we can and I want you to know that is a very bad plan. Secondly, I've seen families try to do it through human wisdom. I'm gonna study, I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna read up on what the world has to say about building a successful family. What I've come to find is the world's plan is a very bad plan. That worldly wisdom is dangerous. In fact, if you were to listen to worldly wisdom, you would hear things like this. Uh, don't spank your small children. Don't do that. Uh, you know, don't, don't let your children cry. Don't, don't choose their friends for them. Give them all the freedom they want. Don't, don't, don't have anything to do with who your kids choose to be friends with. Don't monitor their music or their phones. Don't... don't worry about what they put in their minds Just whatever happens happens it's their privacy don't, don't invade that when they're teenagers give them lots of condoms and lots of privacy this is worldly wisdom this is what the world says but I want you to know that is a very bad plan and that is bad advice because the world doesn't have a clue how to build your family God's way through worldly uh, through human wisdom through human effort thirdly through human resources man I'll just buy a family I I I've, I've watched parents try to do that I'll just I'll I'll buy my family I'll give them everything they want I'll work hard and extra overtime and make sure they have the best of everything and all the money they want and I'll try to control it all we'll buy 100 acres build homes for all of them keep them all right there and and control the situation and and I'll just buy my family that's a very bad plan as well I want you to know that only the Lord can build a family and trying to build without the Lord is worthless it is useless it is vain then thirdly I want you to see this in the passage verse one again still we're still in verse one only the Lord can protect your family now look at this verse it's got a picture it paints here that's very interesting it speaks here that unless the Lord watches over the city, unless God watches over the city, then the watchman stays awake in vain. Here is the picture of a guard. He's in a high tower. He's watching over the city. He's staying awake all night. He finds himself kind of nodding off, but he can't nod off because it all depends upon him. If anything were to happen, it would be his fault. So he's got to stay awake. He's got to, he's got to work through this thing and, and stay up all night. And he is the reason for the city being protected. And so the scripture says that's not how it works because unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake. In vain he thinks to himself that it all depends on me, but it doesn't depend on him It depends on God ultimately unless God is watching over and protecting our children our families It's it's useless I'm thinking here today about something we've all been guilty of and that is being an overprotective parent Amen, I don't expect to get too many amens here But it's the truth. I'm not letting my kid play contact sports. I've seen a kid break his leg and it's never gonna happen to my kid I've seen too many sprained ankles so my kids never gonna play contact sports no way it's not gonna happen my kid ain't going to youth camp I heard one time a kid went to youth camp and never came home we're not doing that no way hey just not going to youth camp I'm never letting my kids out of my sight I mean too many things can happen there's a lot of bad people in this world and you just gotta keep your eyes on your kids 100% of the time and if anything happens and we put all of this pressure on ourselves. We are the watchmen, staying awake, making sure that we control everything, that nothing happens to our kids. And if anything happens, we feel like it, 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 it's, it's our fault. Let me tell you something, church. Listen to me closely. Unless the Lord protects your family, it's vain. I'm for protecting my kids from common sense things man i i i I protect my kids from as much television as i possibly can i i'm i'm I'm, i i make sure their phones are are watched and we monitor their phones and there's a lot of things that we do may surprise you as to how much we do to to be involved in our children's lives and, and 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 to protect them but i want you to know If we as parents are cultivating a mindset that somehow we can protect our kids from the pain of life, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Psalm 126 and verse 1 again says, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Maybe Sunday morning's version of that verse in 2021 for gospel light could be this unless the Lord protects my wife while I'm gone Unless the Lord protects my kids when they're out of my sight Unless the Lord protects my family's health unless the Lord protects our family's income All of my effort and all of my energy is in vain. It is worthless. It is wasteful Even this past week I can give you two illustrations <laughs> in the Capaci home I was out of town a week ago preaching, and and my daughter calls me up. She says, Daddy, I've just been in an accident. I was sitting at a red light, and a lady came and hit the back of the car. And Daddy, Gloria was in the back seat, and she's crying. And I'm, I just, it was so sad to see her crying. And Allison and Rubio was in the front seat. Daddy, it was so scary. Scary. We were just sitting there. We were just, and then she hit us, and she doesn't have insurance. And Dad, the police are here, and, and I'm six, you know, three, four hundred miles away. I couldn't control that situation. All I could do is just say, Lord, thank you that you protect my family. God, there's going to be pain. There's going to be accidents. There's going to be things that happen. But God, I trust you to protect my family. Ezekiel, this past week, he's got crutches in here. He got hit really hard in the quad here. I mean, like brutal, like I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, he can't show you without pulling his pants down, so it's not going to happen, okay? But it is the worst bruise. I mean, he has been limping. We've been having a, this poor, I think he might be exaggerating a little bit because he's getting served a whole lot here this week. You know, dad, can you bring it, this back to my room, you know? And I've, I've been the, the master servant here, his old slave for the week. But anyway, man, he got hit hard. And, and, and by the way, that's just one of dozens of injuries he's had in his little athletic career. I remember my son Josiah one time. Uh, About a 300 pound six foot seven center when he was playing ball for champion fell on his head It was the scariest thing. I honestly thought he was he was dead. I thought it's over I just watched my son get crushed by 300 pounds, but somehow that kid's got such a hard head He got up and he was fine It's unbelievable. Only God can protect our families by giving our kids hard heads. Amen But you know all of that to say this Even this week, my family has been hit with some things that were unforeseen. But I want you to know that I've learned to live my life with humble dependence upon God. And you have to do that. You're not going to be able to protect your family from the pains of life. You're not going to be able to protect your kids from all the pains of life. It's vain to try to do that without God. Because nothing happens to your family that doesn't pass through a sovereign God's hands. I wonder how many of us are trying to do it ourselves. We're just trying to do it ourselves. And this morning, it might be a a good moment for all of us here to just take a time out and ask ourselves this question. How would I score myself when it comes to dependence upon God? We sang a moment ago. You know, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fears oh there's fears and there's darkness there's a lot of things that happen in this life that are unfortunate there's things that happen because we live in this sin-cursed world but we must depend upon the Lord and there are some things we can identify in our lives that are happening when we are not depending upon the Lord so let me give you four of those things I know that I'm depending upon my own strength number one when anger takes over When anger takes over, when we just lose it, when we've got a short fuse, when all of a sudden, you know, we're snapping at our wife and we're upset with our kids and we're angry at work. And I've seen this begin to take over when someone is trying so hard and failing over and over again, and then they get frustrated and angry because they're not depending on God. I know that I'm depending on my own strength. Secondly, when anxiety takes over, I, I'm worried about it as though I'm responsible. Again, it all depends on me, and so anxiety begins to take over, and I, 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 you know, I, I, I get stressed, and I'm and I'm worried all the time, and I'm I, I'm just I'm just to pieces because I, I, I I'm acting in my own strength. I'm not depending on God. I know that I'm acting in my own strength when impatience takes over. And I'm totally trusting God to do it today. Oh, yeah. In fact, God, you better do it today because if you don't do it when I want you to do it, God, we're going to have an issue. As opposed to, God, you you just do it when you want to do it. I trust your timetable, God. You're in control. (laughs) I, I, I trust you, God. But we get impatient and, and patient. we want it to happen immediately. And when it doesn't happen immediately, all of a sudden we begin to get angry or anxious or impatient. And then maybe the one that I see just absolutely consuming society today is this thought. I know that I'm doing it in my own strength when emptiness takes over. We just get depleted. We're worn out. I mean, I don't know about you, but... Man, this mask thing will about wear you out, you know, and a double mask and a triple mask and a mask to the end of next year and a mask here and a mask there and a mask everywhere, you know, and I'm not against masks. I'm not at all, but I'm just simply saying the COVID-19 virus, the mask wearing, all of that, let's face it, it is depleting at times, and then you take that on some of the other things that are happening in our world, in our finances, in our country, and all of a sudden we find ourselves just worn out, depleted, spent, empty. Years ago, I came in contact with a Christian contemporary group called 10th Avenue North. Has anybody heard of 10th Avenue North by chance? Okay, just a couple dozen of you. I really like this group. We had them at Teen Revolution a few years ago. And I've asked several people, you know, hey, who was your favorite group to ever come to Teen Revolution? We've had a lot of groups. But most of the time, people refer back to the year 10th Avenue North came to Teen Revolution. It was a great year. Their lead singer, his name is Mike Donahay, I believe. He's just a great guy and he wrote a song about eight years ago. And it used to be played on the radio all the time. And I remember thinking, it gets played all the time. But then I thought, maybe it's because so many people need it. The name of the song is this, I'm Worn. Just worn out. My heart is heavy. I mean, it's all all I can do just to take another breath. And I worry today as I look at the Christian community, if, if just some of us are just worn out, And what I want to do is take a moment, and whether you like contemporary bands and Christian music is not the point here. I want you to look at this video of that song. It's a music video, not a lyric video. Listen to the words, but also watch as this video transpires from someone who is worn to someone who is depending on God. I want you to take a moment to watch it, then I'll finish the message. So watch this video. i the- that, what a picture. What a picture of how oftentimes we get as the people of God. But we must be reminded this morning that though sometimes it feels as if the weight of the world is coming on us, we need to be reminded it's because we're taking too much on ourselves and the Lord Jesus Christ wants to take over and be in control and build our families. And when we do that, we can overcome the negativity of this life, all of the syndromes and the, and the things that are placed on us, we can rise above that And that's why I love Gospel Light. I love the spirit of our church. And I love the fact that when we come in here, we're not focusing on the worn part. We're focusing on the living God who gives us strength. He is sufficient to get us through every day. Sometimes someone will ask me, you know, preacher, how do you deal with all that you do? Have you ever experienced burnout? Well, I know burnout is real. And I know Christians get burnout. I understand that. But I believe we can only burn out if we're trusting in the flesh. It is impossible to burn out if you are trusting in God. If you're empty and feel that you can't go on, probably the problem is you need to unplug from your 9-volt battery and plug into the supernatural power of God. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, that's where it's at. My battery runs low. I get worn easy. I, I get flustered and, 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 and tired and all of that. But I don't have to live in the flesh. I can trust in the Spirit of God to protect my family. And so number three, only the Lord can protect a family. And then fourthly, all of trying to protect your family without the Lord is useless. Look at some of these things that we see here that we trust in. First of all, we trust in getting up early. Secondly, in verse 2, it says we trust in going to, to bed late. So we get up early. Go ahead and put that verse up. Yeah. We get up early. We go to bed late. And we spend our lives worried about everything. Here it is. That's how I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get up early. I'm going I'm to go to bed late. And I'm just going to take it all on myself. And that's how I'm going to protect my family. Well, let's just break that down. First of all, let's break down the first phrase, and that is, it is vain that you rise up early. Now, I'm sure that every teenager here is super excited about making that their life's verse. Next time mom and dad come to your room, you just say, they say, get up, get out of bed. You just say, Scripture says it is vain to rise up early. Amen. And you know, in many ways, I I, I get that. I understand there's such an emphasis on this idea that, you know, that that I, I have to get less sleep if I'm going to get more done. What the scripture is teaching us here is not so much about getting up early or not getting up early. It's getting up early and trying to do your day without God. I love that little poem I memorized years ago. I met God in the morning when the day was at its best. And his presence felt like glory like a sunrise in my breast all day long his presence lingered and all day long he stayed with me and we sailed through troubled darkness or a very troubled sea other ships were t- torn and battered other ships were sore distressed and the wind that seemed to drive them brought brought to me a peace and rest until i thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mine when when I too, had loosed the moorings with his presence left behind. But I think I found the answer: Learn from many a troubled day: if you'll seek God in the morning, you can have him all the day. You see, our problem is we try to take the day on without God, and it's not going to work. It's vain. It's vain for you to rise up early. Let's get with it. Let's go to work. Let's get it done. Tommy Silvo from Finland. You ready for this crazy story? This doesn't even make sense to me. This dude set a Guinness Book of World Records for sleeplessness. He went 32 days and 12 hours without sleeping. He walked 13 hours a day and lost 33 pounds to set that record. I got one question for Tommy. Why? What's up with that, Tommy? Surely you could have found another record to break other than the sleepless record. The fact of the matter is, is this is oftentimes what kind of mentality we fall into is, I got to get up and I got to get my day going and I've got to get it all done and I've got to... Can I just throw something in here that might help all of us this morning? We need sleep. We need rest. We need about eight hours a day. Amen. I may have become unpopular with some people. I used to say, I used to be the arrogant preacher when I was younger. Some of you that have been with me a long time know this. Bless God, I get about six hours of sleep a day. That's all you need. Boy, was I ever a liar. I don't know what I was thinking. I was in the flesh. I surely was. I promise you I was. I've come to the place where I understand... That, that, that preaching sleeplessness is not in God's Word. It is about rest. God desires our bodies to rest so that we can be more productive for Him. So guess what? Here's the moral of the story. First of all, I just want to say this. You can't do it all. You can't do it all. You can try and get up early and try to do, do it all, but you're not going to do enough. There'll always be more to do. Number two, we can't learn enough. It says then go to late rest or go late to rest. It's vain to rise up early. It's, it's vain to go late to rest. In other words, here is the picture of someone that's staying up late to study, to learn, to organize. I, I've, got, I've got to study. I've got to, I've got to know more. I've got to organize my life. And I just wait till everybody goes to bed. And then I stay up till one, two, three o'clock. I just get it all done. And we stay up Late and we worry into the night about all we've got to do the next day. That's why sleeplessness is an epidemic in America. There's 70 million Americans with sleep disorders. 70 million. In 1977, interesting fact, there were three sleep disorder clinics. Three. One, two, three in America. Three in 1977. In 2021, latest figure, in America, sleep disorder clinics 2,500. Our nation has become a nation of anxiety. And it's no different than the church we're seeing more people pop pills and take pills and, and find a way to go to sleep, some narcotic, some glass of wine, some alcohol, just anything to get me to go to bed. And if it is a medical issue, it's legitimate and real, and I get that. But I'm, I'm afraid that far too many of us are, are anxious and using as an excuse at times... Intoxicating or medicinal issue, uh, uh, narcotics for us to deal with our anxiety when in reality we're not trusting God. We can't learn enough. There's a whole lot of people staying up late and then tossing and turning all night to try to make it happen. And we can't do it by getting up early and staying up late. What we need to do is pray a prayer like this. Lord, I know who you are. You can do anything. And I know who I am. Without you, I am nothing. And God, I know I need to give these burdens to you. I can't. You can. I trust you. That's a good little prayer. I can't. You can. I trust you. That's what we need to do. Because only the Lord can protect our families. Now notice in verse 2, there's something else here that's kind of interesting. It says, eating the bread of anxious. This is not the person who can't do enough or the person who can't learn enough, but this is the person who can't care enough. I mean, they care on steroids. I mean, they care to the point where, I mean, listen, that's all they do is care. And they worry and they fret and they're anxious. And so what the Bible says is for the person who can't care enough at the end of the day, you worry yourself sick. And here's what you've got to show for it. A loaf of bread And the spread is sorrow or anxiousness. It's all you've got. It's miserable. You took it all in your own hands. You decided you were going to make this happen. You were going to care. You were going to make the difference. And it just doesn't work. It brings no real joy because the Bible says, in conclusion, he gives his beloved sleep. I love that. I love it. Man, listen, let it be said that we can get to the place where when we put our heads on our pillows, we feel so loved by God and so cared for by God that we can be asleep before. Well, not before we kiss our wives. Amen, honey. Last night we got to bed and, and, and I laid my head on my pillow and here's what I heard last night. Are you going to kiss me? Right, hon? And I did. I kissed you. It wasn't as long as I would like to, but it was, it was, it was a decent one. And uh, I say all that to say, I am so thankful that God loves me enough to let me sleep through the night. He loves me, and I trust Him, and I know He's in control, and I can just go to sleep. Church, let, let's just trust God enough to get a good night's sleep. Let's not let the cares of this world and, and, and the stress of this world... Take away from the sleep that God wants to give us, the rest. This is the picture of a family who can lay down at night and go to sleep. I love it. Now, this passage is not condemning human effort. Don't get me wrong. You know, sometimes I, I feel as if, you know, we can take a message like this and, and, and turn it and say, well, you know, pastor just kind of excused us from doing anything. No, I didn't. I, no, this passage is not condemning human effort, it is condemning effort apart from God we've got to have God involved in our effort we need to be involved we need to do what we can but not without the help of God if you want the Lord to build your family then I want to encourage you to do two things in closing number one here's the first thing I want you to invite Christ if you've not yet done this to the center of your life you know I remember the day that I invited Christ into the center of my life It was September the 1st, 1978. It was a Friday. I was 13 years old and I came to the place where I realized, and I like to put it very simply, oftentimes we just say it like this. It's as simple as ABC. Number one, A, admit you are a sinner. Just admit it. And I came to the place where I recognized I was a sinner and there was nothing I could do in and of myself about that sin. And then B, Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you, to forgive you. Admit that you're a sinner, then believe on Jesus and the price he paid on Calvary. And then see, confess Christ as your Savior and your Lord. The Bible says when we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. If you've never been saved, if you're sitting in the building this morning and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the center of your life, I invite you to do that today. Today, this morning. In just a moment, we'll, we'll give a response time and myself and Brother Jeremy and maybe another elder will be up front. We're here if you need someone to pray with about that very thing. You've never truly invited Christ to be the center of your life. I encourage you to do that this morning. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Invite Christ in. Open the door. Let him into your life. Make him Lord and Savior this morning. But secondly, if you've invited Christ into the center of your life, then secondly, I want to, I want to challenge you to invite Christ into the center of your home. Only the Lord can build a family. Whatever your home dynamic is. Maybe it's not a traditional home with a husband and a wife. Maybe right now you're single and you live with your parents. And, or you live with a brother or a sister or a friend or a roommate. Or, or, or just within the context of a small group. Whatever it is, I want you to invite Christ into the center of that relationship. It's amazing to me how many have accepted Christ personally. But have never really let him do the work he wants to do in our homes. It's, it's, it's a heartbreaking thing to see people who, who have accepted Christ. But he's not Lord of their lives. He's not, in, he's not the center of their homes. There's, there's just not that, that, that unity in the home that only God can bring and give. And so I want to challenge you with a few simple little things for everybody in the building to invite Christ into the center of your home. These are simple ways. There's, there's another 50 I could mention, but can I mention four simple ones? Number one, pray around your table. Just pray around your table. I love this at our home. I love the way we pray around our table. It is so meaningful. We don't pray some little old father, son, Holy Ghost, One's the fastest gets the most prayer. It's a prayer that prays for the food the hands that prepared it, the money that purchased it. We, we pray oftentimes for people around the table. Last week, we prayed for Danielle and Ken because Danielle was great with child. Now she's had the baby and it's safe. And we prayed for her because she was at the table. And we pray for people with needs around our table. And oftentimes, my prayer will go a little long and and people will get a little bit like, man, I'm starving, Dad. That was a, a two and a half minute prayer, Dad. Could you, could you make it a little bit shorter, you know? No, I can't. We're going to pray around this table and we're going to, we're going to take some time to honor God. And then secondly, sit in church together. You no, know, I, I don't know what happened with this, but it seems like we've gotten away from families. And I'm not talking about anybody in here specifically or even maybe today everybody's sitting together with family. But if you are, that's a good thing. Sit together with your family and find someone maybe who's sitting alone and ask them to sit with your family. And, and let's just enjoy... And I understand... It's funny, I say that and then the thought pops into my mind, social distancing. I get it and I'm sorry. I know we still have to deal with all that stuff. And I feel like so much of that has become the enemy of closeness and relationships. So I, I know we've got to be cautious about that right now. But at the same time, I don't want to live in fear. And I feel like we just need to be together sometimes. And it just just sit together and, and, it, and it be accountable to one another. And then recognize the goodness of God daily. You know I've often said this and you've heard me say it before but every day of my life I wake up in the morning and after I, I confess my sins That's the first thing I do So I confess and ask God to forgive me Of any unconfessed sins in my life But then I spend time just thanking God for his goodness And usually I thank him for 10 things And, and I could thank him for many more than that but a minimum of 10 And, and it's amazing how many, how many things the previous day you can thank him for I mean it's just amazing his mercies are new every morning it's crazy, but, but there's not a day that I wake up that I, I can't think of anything to thank God for today. I don't know what the that's never happened. There's so much to thank God for. And I encourage you, if you're going to put Christ in the center of your home, recognize the goodness of God daily. And then finally, I want to say a word to grandparents because I am one, pass down a godly heritage. Man, listen, grandpas, papas, papas, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Grandmas, mamas, nanas, whoever you are, you have a responsibility to pass down to your kids and grandkids a godly heritage. Man, that's a challenge, isn't it? And I want, I want so desperately for my kids and grandkids to know that the center of our home is Jesus Christ. That we can't do this without Him. We can't We can't live our lives without him. We can't raise our kids without him. We can't build our homes successfully without God. And I challenge you today to take Psalm 127 and just for yourself devour it and pray over it and ask God to heal your home where it's hurting. You know, I think we desperately need just God to touch the homes of our church, touch our kids, touch our grandkids, touch our marriages, well, we need God to just come in the center of our homes and begin to heal us it, it's, it's a desperate need today and so just a moment I'm going I'm to go to the front and turn this over to our worship team and we're going to stand and, and I have a prayer that I've written for the church to pray before we sing and it's just a prayer you might say of just healing, asking God together in unity in one accord to do something very special in our families so I want to do that today and if you're here today you've never trusted Christ remember my offer I'd love for this to be the day that you invite Christ into the center of your life so that he can become the center of your home let's all stand together shall we
0: Let's pray this prayer together. Let's pray it. And, and as we pray this, let's think about our families, the people in our household. Um, children, grandchildren, but also maybe our brothers, maybe our sisters, maybe our, maybe thinking about our parents as we read this. Maybe thinking about our, our friend groups, maybe thinking about our, the small group that we're in. And as we pray this, let's just commit ourselves and our family, those that we love, those that are, are near us and close to us. Let's commit all these relationships to God as, as we pray this prayer. So let's, let's pray this together. Lord, I give my family to you. Make us a family that loves you and follows you and serves you with our whole hearts. You are a great and faithful God. And we acknowledge your goodness. We worship you today, risen Lord Jesus Christ, alive for us and for our families. Amen. Let's continue to respond to God's goodness with singing and with worship.